In the book of Hebrews, speaking of Abel, it says his faithfulness and his sacrifice, even though he is dead, still speaks. Well, tonight as we continue the slow, deliberate movement through the events of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we come to a section of verses where Jesus is dead, Jesus has died, and yet the circumstances of that day still speak. As we have seen in John's record of these events, each word, each act seems to carry a great significance. Each word, each act seems to convey great meaning to our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, again, in the events of our verses tonight, God is going to speak to us in these events. Our message tonight is entitled, Declarations of the Day. Declarations of the Day. Tonight we're in John chapter 19, verses 31 through 37. Moving right along, John chapter 19, verses 31 through 37. Declarations of the day. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 31, God's word says this. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who had seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you also may believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. Verse 37, and again another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight and our prayer is that we would see you tonight, that we would, we would see your glory tonight, we would see the good news of your, your gracious gospel tonight, that we would see you in our verses tonight. Lord, I know your word is living and active. I know that you speak through it. And so tonight my prayer on this Friday night is that you would speak to us, that it would be your voice that we hear. We know that in the hearing of your voice, Lord, that we would be changed. Lord, I pray for those that do not know you that are in this room and maybe some other place. I pray that in hearing of, the, of a Savior that loved him so much, that he died for us as sinners, that in the hearing of that good news, that this very day may be the day of their salvation. Lord, again, we just come and we worship you tonight. We exalt you, we thank you. I lift this up to you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In John chapter 19, we find Pilate declaring the innocence of Jesus. He has examined Jesus. He knows the law. And we find in this chapter, he has repeatedly and publicly declared he finds no guilt in him. It literally translates, he finds no fault 
in him. And so Pilate has observed it. Pilate has checked it out. And he says, he observes, he finds no guilt in Jesus. In John chapter 19, we see that the Jews then turn the tables on Pilate. And really they put Pilate on trial, questioning his loyalty to Caesar. If you do not do something to this man, he claims to be king, then you're disloyal to Caesar. We see in fear and selfish ambition that he then concedes to the will of the Jews, even knowing Jesus's innocence. In chapter 19, we see Jesus is brutalized. We see that he is shamed. We see that he is mocked, that he is ridiculed. We see in 19 that he is crucified, the vilest, most sadistic, most pain-inflicting form of death is carried out on Jesus. In chapter 19, we see Jesus declare his victory as he shouts out, literally shouts out, to Telestai, it is finished. And then the Bible tells us he dies. In chapter 19, we see the work of redemption is done. We see that Jesus is dead. And so the question is, so what more could we see? All of these things, really the truth of our gospel played out in chapter 19. And so the question is, what more could we see? What more could we learn? Well, actually tonight in our verses, in Jesus' death and on this day, we're going to see at least five more things. Now, I'm sure there's more than that, but we're going to see in our study tonight, there's at least five more things to see or five more things to learn tonight. Now, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the distinction of the day. We're going to see the depravity of the day. We're going to see the divine in the day. We're going to see the demonstration of the day. And then we're going to see the dependability of the day. Those things, let me read them to you again. We're going to see the distinction of the day, the depravity of the day, the divine in the day, the demonstration of the day, and then the dependability of the day. Those things, all right, let's begin tonight. The first thing we see tonight is the distinction of the day. The distinction of the day. Let's start off tonight in verse 31. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. In verse 31, we see the Jews are not done. The Bible says, because it was the day of preparation. Now understand, this was part of the Passover observance. It was the day before the ceremonial Passover meal, the day of preparation. And the Bible says, so that the bodies also would not be on the cross during the coming Sabbath day. Now that Sabbath would start at 6 o'clock this evening, that evening, and would go until 6 o'clock the following day. Now understand the Jewish law forbids bodies to be left exposed during the Sabbath, but especially this Sabbath, as this Sabbath was a high holy day, meaning it was not just a normal Sabbath, but it was the Sabbath of the Passover celebration. Now the law says this, if a body was left exposed 
not buried, it would defile the whole land. It would defile the whole community. Well, the Bible says, so because of this, the Jews approached Pilate again. And I, I want you to see this, the first thing tonight. We're going to see in that the distinction of the day, the distinction of this day. Understand this. On the day of the preparation for Passover, at noon, the lambs would be prepared for sacrifice. Now, remember, we, we passed through that. On the day of preparation, the day before the, the Passover meal, on the day of preparation, at noon, the lambs will be prepared for sacrifice. At 3 o'clock on the day of preparation, the lambs would be killed for the Passover celebration. So the day of preparation, at noon they start to prepare them. At 3 o'clock, they would kill the lambs for the Passover celebration. Now this was to be, again, remember, a time to remember God's deliverance. It was a time to honor and to worship God. It was a time in obedience to follow his command to observe this event. And so again, at 3 o'clock, the lambs would be killed. Well, I want you to listen to this. In the Gospel of Mark, speaking of the day of crucifixion, it says, and it was at noon, it was at the sixth hour that darkness fell on the entire land. Remember at noon, there was the preparation of the lamb. Mark chapter 15, verse 33 says that. Chapter 15, verse 34 through 37, and Mark says, and at the ninth hour, he lets out, he utters a loud cry. Now we know that loud cry is to tell us that it is finished. And the Bible says, and at that, he breathed his last. It is three o'clock when Jesus dies. When they would start the sacrifice of the Passover lambs for all of these years, it is at three o'clock when Jesus dies. Now how perfect is that? The perfect lamb, the final lamb, the true Passover lamb dies on the day of preparation at three o'clock. Now I want to see, see something, it's more than that. More than that, what is it that starts immediately following that? Why were they in a hurry? It's because the Sabbath starts at six o'clock. The day of rest starts at six o'clock. Now I want you to follow with me. So all of these years, all of these Sabbaths, and now it finally comes down to this day. And when the lamb comes, and when the lamb dies, and when the lamb in through him it is finished in the final lamb, it is then and only then there will finally be rest. Do you see how big that is? All of those events were pointing to the truth that we rest in Jesus. That's what he said, to tell us die. It is finished in Jesus. That's why we have Sabbath rest. There's no more work to do. It is finished in Jesus. And so the distinction of the day is this. It is finished. There is rest in Jesus. He's not just the Lord of the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. We rest in Jesus. That is the distinction of the day. The second thing we see tonight is the depravity of the day. The depravity of the day. Now go with me, see, see this. I honestly believe this. 
I believe nothing shows the wickedness of these Jewish leaders as does this one verse. And you can say, well, we can go back. They started plotting to kill Jesus. They, didn't, they knew he didn't do what they said he did. They, they wanted him removed. We can see where they lied, where they plotted all these things. And I want to tell you, I believe this one verse is the most wicked thing that, that, that comes out of these Jewish leaders. They have lied. They have cheated. They have slandered. They have plotted. They have shouted, crucify him, crucify him. They have witnessed his beating. An innocent man, they witnessed his beating. They, they have cheered. They have taken pride in his being nailed to a cross. Can you imagine that? They rejoice in Jesus being nailed to the cross. And yet nothing shows the extent of their utter depravity, I believe, as does this one verse. They laugh at the cross, and I believe this verse is more vile. The Jewish leaders not yet finished. The Jewish leaders are not yet satisfied. Why don't they just go away? They come to Pilate. Here's what they say to Pilate. Pilate, we need him dead sooner. And the Bible says they ask of Pilate that there, all three of them, that their legs might be broken. Now, I believe this is the most vicious self-serving, selfish thing yet we've seen out of the Jewish leaders. Now, let me tell you about the process. The process was to take a heavy metal sledgehammer, and it wasn't one blow. They pulverized their leg bones. Here's the literal translation. To shiver to pieces, to splinter their legs to pieces. They took a hammer, they came to those that were hanging crucified on the cross and they crushed their leg bones into splinters into pieces. Now they would die, a lot of them from the shock of the pain, a lot of them from the blood that was flowing out now from a punctured lower extremity. They would die from suffocation. They could no longer push upward in which to breathe. And so I want you to see this. And so these Jewish leaders, the ones that carried the name of Jehovah, these Jewish leaders in their fancy robes, these Jewish leaders in their fancy positions, these Jewish leaders in their pious cliques, they have come and they've said, we want their legs smashed. We want their legs broken. Crush their legs. For them, the cross was not enough. Friends, understand these are evil, despicable men carrying the very name of the God they hate. The next thing we see in our verses now is we see the divine in the day. The divine in the day. Let's go to verse 32. So Pilate gives the order, so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other man who was crucified with him. Now understand most people would live two or three days on the cross. That was the torture of it. Some would go longer. It's recorded that some went quite a bit longer. But very few would die sooner than that. Well, the two thieves, like most people, they're still alive. When they come, it's only been hours. They're still on the cross, but they are still alive. And so their legs are broken. Verse 33. But coming to Jesus... When they saw that he was 
already dead, they did not break his legs. Now I want you to see this, and I want you to be sure of this. These are not compassionate men. They had just crushed the legs of two other men. They are professional killers. They are professional executioners. They know well their craft. And so when they come to Jesus, they're not trying to let him off the hook. He's already dead. When they come to Jesus, he's already dead. So the Bible says, so they did not break his legs. Now I want you to see this. I mentioned it last night as we were closing. John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking, verses 17 and 18. Listen to this. Jesus says, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. Now I want you to see what that means tonight is this. Jesus was in control. They didn't take control away from Jesus. He somehow hasn't lost control. At this point, Jesus is in control. Now what that means is he gave his life. They did not take it from him. He submitted to the cross. He was not forced on it. And he decided as only God can do when he would die. They did not decide for him. Last night we saw with every peace in place, with every prophecy fulfilled, with the work of redemption finished, and then of his own volition, then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Verse 30 says that. Listen to me tonight. Jesus was in control. Jesus never lost control. And so what that means is the greatest act of love ever was of his choosing It wasn't forced upon him. The greatest act of love ever, he gave his own life. He gave it, even deciding when it ended. So we see the divine in the day. The next thing we see in our verses tonight, we see the demonstration of the day. The demonstration of the day, verse 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out to make sure not leaving his job to chance. These were professional killers. One of the guards takes a spear and stabs Jesus's corpse in the side. That's what the Bible says. Now the Bible says when he does this, immediately blood and water came flowing out. Now, there are many discussions about this, and there are many explanations for this. You can go and you can read all the stuff all about it. Some folks say that when he punctured his side, he punctured his stomach, and so the contents of his stomach came out. Some others say that he punctured his lungs, and his lung cavity had filled up with water, and so the water came out of there. Others say that his heart had ruptured, that his heart had burst. And so his pericardial sac was full of water. And so when he punctured it, water came out. Here's what I'll tell you. I don't think we can know, but here's what we do know. Jesus was a man, and he died as a man. And so when he was stabbed in the side, the fluids of a man spilled out. 
Now, I want you to listen to this. What that means is this. The issue of John's day is a bunch of folks called Gnostics were saying that Jesus was a spirit. And they had infiltrated the church and they were saying Jesus wasn't a man. Men were sinful. He was a spirit. And they would say, well, he looked like a man. They said, well, yeah, he, he appeared as a man, but he wasn't a man. And folks started to grab a hold of that in the church. And they would say, well, he must have been a spirit because they said he was a spirit. They would say this was a spiritual event. Yeah, there was a death and a resurrection, but it wasn't real. It was a spiritual event. And they would say the reason for that is he was not a man. He never became a man. And they would say even this event was a facade. It was a spiritual death. He only appeared as a man, and he only appeared to die as a man. Well, I want you to be the, sure tonight the demonstration of the day is this. He is God, yes, and he is man. And when he died as a man, his body gave over the contents of men. Listen, Jesus actually physically died our death in flesh. That is the demonstration of the day. Let me read verse 35. And he who has seen has testified. And his testimony is true. And he knows that he's telling the truth so that you also may believe. And I want you to think about that. We're going to come back to it. I'm going to keep going. The next thing we're going to see is the dependability of the day. The dependability of the day. Verse 36. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. Now, the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12, verse 46, as God calls for the observance of the Passover, he says of the Passover lamb. Now, when you prepare the Passover lamb, here's what he says, nor are you to break any bone of it. When you prepare the Passover lamb, when you have the Passover lamb, you're not to break a single bone of it. Written thousands of years earlier than this event. Verse 37. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Let me read that again. Another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Hundreds of years earlier, the prophet Zechariah in chapter 12, verse 10 says, and so they will look on me whom they have pierced. Hundreds of years before this event. Let me tell you this again, even in death, there are two more evidences that this is the Christ. If you aren't convinced yet, we'll give you two more in death. Even in death, there's two more evidences. This is the Lamb. This is the, this is the way. This is the Messiah. Even in his death, we see here, God's word is perfect. God's word does not fail. Even in his death, it is confirmed. Then I'm going to go back. There's one last thing, and it's in verse 35. In verse 35, we're going to see the last thing, and that's this, the decision of the day. 
the decision of the day. Verse 35, listen to John. And he who has seen, not many folks can write that. And he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you also may believe. Verse 35, John makes it clear. He has walked with Jesus. He's not a secondhand witness. He knew Jesus. In fact, the Bible says he loved Jesus. Jesus loved him. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He's not telling you, well, I met somebody one time that saw this. He's telling you what he saw. He heard the teachings of Jesus. Not only that, in this week, he was there in the upper room. Not only that, he was there in the garden. He saw the arrest. Not only that, there in the courtyard when the Jewish trial began, he was there as well. Not only that, he followed them up the street with the women. Not only that, the Bible says he was alongside the cross. And John says this, this is my testimony. And my testimony is true. Jesus died. He actually physically died. All the way through the gospel, John seeks to answer two questions. Who is Jesus and what is his gospel? Well, I want you to see here tonight in verse 35, we're not even to the resurrection yet. Here he answers, who is Jesus? He is the Lamb of God. Who is Jesus? He is perfect, not a bone of his body was broken. Who is Jesus? He is the Lamb of God killed on the day of preparation. Who is Jesus? He is the Lamb of God. And with work of salvation finished, he has provided true rest. Who is Jesus? He is the Lamb of God. Well, what is his gospel? What is his gospel? He answers that as well. His gospel is, it is finished in Jesus. Listen, we're not even to the resurrection yet. His gospel is, it is paid for us in Jesus. The perfect lamb goes to the cross, dying our death, paying for our sin. He is telling us, what is the gospel? The gospel is, love has won out. Mercy is shown. Grace rules the day. Jesus has finished it. There's nothing left to do. Jesus has died. And in his death, he has paid it all. The gospel is, it is settled in Jesus. And we're not even to the resurrection yet. And he ends the verse and says this. Listen to this. So that you also may believe. Friends, I want to tell you something. This is, this is an odd thing here in this verse. You're the you in that verse. What do you mean? No, you're the you in that verse so that you also may believe. This is talking about you. He's written these things. He's testifying. He says also, he has believed also. Others have believed. Multitudes have believed over the years. But he says this is that you also may believe. Friend, there's a decision in this day. We're not even the resurrection. There is a decision in this day. What are you going to do with the lamb, Jesus? What are you going to do with his gospel that it is finished in him? There is a decision 
in this day. He writes that you may also believe. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every Father, we come and we're so thankful. We're so glad. We're so astounded. We're so humbled in your love, in your grace, in your kindness. We come to this portion of Scripture, you're dead, you're dead. But even in your death, you yet speak. Lord, I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your kindness. Thankful for your love. As crazy as it sounds, I'm thankful for your death by which we're saved. Lord, I pray that tonight this, this good news, this gospel struck a chord with us that's resonated in our souls tonight. I, I pray that we worship you tonight as we finish this service, as we go back out into the streets, as we go to our homes. I pray that our hearts would well up in worship of you. Lord, I pray for some that do not know you. I pray when they hear this verse, that you so love them, that you wanted them to believe. Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night of their belief. Pray that any hindrance would be removed. Pray that the questions are all answered and they're answered in Jesus. I pray tonight they would trust you and in trusting you be saved. Lord, we thank you for these verses. We thank you for the declarations of this day. Most of all, we're thankful for the Savior of this day, Jesus. We pray that you've been known, that you've been glorified, and I pray in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. There actually is a decision to make today. The decision is this, what are you gonna do with Jesus? You're gonna trust him? Are you gonna turn to him? Are you gonna profess him? Are you going to reject him? Or are you going to turn away? There's a decision to make today. Sometimes we act like, well, this is good information. This, this may change your moral life. This may change the, the way you go into tomorrow. Listen, there's one decision to make. What are you going to do with Jesus? If you've never trusted him, turn to him tonight. He'll save you tonight. If you're listening in some other means tonight, turn to Jesus tonight. Trust him as the savior for your sin. He'll save you. He'll forgive you tonight. Trust Jesus tonight. If you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fallen believers' baptism, we want to give you an opportunity as well to come and say, you know what? I want that testimony to stand in my life. And you come as well. It'll be a great day. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of testimony pointing to our Savior, Jesus. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, you believe God has led you here, you come as well. And together we'll serve for, for his kingdom, for his name's sake. Maybe on this Friday night, you want to come and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I say it, it's no, it's no small thing. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big. You come as well tonight. Maybe you want to come and pray for this effort. Nine days left. Maybe you want to come and pray, God, take it and be, be glorified through it. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit, that you'd pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.